glass, ice, pour. Hello and welcome to Whiskey and Rye. I am your host, Ryan Charles Brown. I appreciate you tuning in to part two of my interview with my dad, Gary Charles Brown, uh, which is a fun fact. I have the same middle name as my dad. And Reese, my son, his middle name is Charles, and so uh, we kept that going, which is fun. So I'm, uh, thank you for tuning in to part two of that interview. Uh, in this uh, episode, where we wrap up our discussion on Vietnam, and then we move into some fatherhood things uh, and some things my dad shares about him uh, being a dad. And so uh, really looking forward to sharing that with you. So thanks for coming back for that. A couple of things before we get started. I wanted to, again, uh, remind any podcasters or potential podcasters of the exclusive link I have available for you to uh, subscribe to Podbean uh, as a hosting service. That's the hosting service I use and I absolutely love it. So if you're interested in uh, signing up with Podbean uh, using my code, it is uh, podbean.com slash whiskey rye. That's podbean.com slash whiskey rye. I'll include that in the show notes. And also in the show notes, we've added a few new updates, mainly ways for people to financially contribute to the show and I want to say thank you to those who have done so already. Uh, it's amazing to see the, uh, people's generosity. So thank you to all who have uh, shared your generosity and helped keep the show going. So you can check that out in the show notes uh, as well as see all of the tidbits and good things um, that you'll want to uh, about each interview. So that is all the updates to share. Uh, let's jump right into part two with my dad. No, that's a really good point, and and I was I was gonna actually kind of bring that up because one of the things that one of the greatest lessons that I've learned not only in being a new husband but being a new father is that you have to one of the defining characteristics of the man that I want to be is someone who's able to remain calm in unexpected situations or in situations what you might call chaotic, and you in your life have encountered situations um not only with the with with going to to vietnam you you had a family when you went to vietnam you yeah. had you had a young you had a young son at that time you right. had a new family when you were drafted yeah, little guy. um and so you went through not only going to vietnam i mean going to v- vietnam as a young person um single would would have its own traumatic and and uh life altering consequences you now are not only thinking just about yourself you're thinking about your family so i have to imagine that part of your growth and i don't mean to put words into your mouth but i like i said i imagine part of your growth during that time and part of your accelerated path to manhood also incorporated being able to say this isn't just about me anymore it's about it's about somebody else so um you know i think this would be a good place to kind of transition into that part of your life as a as also a father as a as a family man um you know what what would um let's see how do i want to how do I want to phrase that? What would have been different about, or would anything have been different about how about your perspective of going to Vietnam if you 
if you didn't have a son? Would it have been different? Would it have been the same? Would you have wanted to stay in longer? Would you have been more risky? I mean, what would have been different? I don't know. I think I, um, I think that uh, I didn't want to disgrace my family, my parents, my brother, my sister, and my son. Um, that was part of it. But, um, you know, I didn't, I did, I did it for me and my country. And I just, I just thought, you know, hey, you're an American, you go. Even though, you know, I didn't like President Nixon and I hmm. didn't like the war and all that, it's still, uh, at that point, um, you know, I just used, and, and also I had a lot of friends and everything. You, you were just kind of a low life if you, so legacy if you got, got yeah. out of that. And just it really, some people did it, but it really wasn't done. Um, you know, I, I, I focus more on, you know, what happened there and then coming back and, you know, what I did after that because, um, you know, it, it changed my life. But I really started working on myself and improving my education and improving my career and then improving that. And so, you know, as time went by, uh, I used that, that experience um, to help me become a better uh, a better dad, a better uh, employee, uh, and a lot of other things. Just making some editing notes here. Um, so, I wanna I wanna talk about um, life after Vietnam. Um, you you had you had a, you had a family early on. And then uh, you did a whole bunch of stuff in your life, and then you uh, you had an opportunity to have a second family, and that's when I was born, right? And then my sisters after that. So there was about uh, twenty years in between right. uh, when you started your first mm -hmm. family, and then when you kind of continued your legacy with kids. And you've stated that it's been, it was really interesting that uh, there was so much of a gap between, um, you know, what we knew about you when we were born and the life that you had lived even before then. So um, I, I want to talk a little bit, and it's, it's not a comfortable thing to talk about, but, um, you know, divorce is something that a lot of men think about. A lot of men have gone through with a lot of men have been affected by uh because of things that have gone on in their family and so i just i i would as as someone who has had to make that difficult decision and had to go through with it be, and, and also having kids um you shared before that that has um that's been probably going to vietnam was difficult but making those decisions were were some of the probably more difficult decisions in your life um, and, and you've had to deal with a lot of the consequences that have come with being uh, a, a divorcee, you know, stepdads mm -hmm. right. and dealing with ex-wives and things like that. So how, how has that, how has that kind of shaped um, who you are today and, and, and what, what do you feel has has uh, has has that revealed to you about yourself as you've kind of ex experienced that you know continuously over the past like twenty years or so? 
Yeah, well, just uh, that's a great question, and and especially from from my son. <laughs> but um, you know, just to put it in context, I was forty years old when, um, or almost forty. I was thirty eight when I met your mom, and um, then a couple years later we got married, and then you were born, and um, I was forty one when you were born, and that's you know it's kind of that's older than mm -hmm. you know, and that twenty years in there kind of. Uh, makes a difference in, you know, everything in terms of, uh, of uh, you know, starting a family there is your, you know, your, your, your strength, your ability, your patience, your tolerance. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot different than if you're 21 than if you're 41. So, you know, that starts that. But, you know, we were married for uh, 10 years and it didn't work out. And, you know, I had you and, and, and your two sisters. Uh, I think the one thing, you know, probably the, the the important thing to me was that I was able to respond. I, you know, your mom and I got divorced, but I didn't divorce my kids. And I mm -hmm. stayed close and I went, you know, I was always around and I participated in events and was always, you know, having dinner, coming up. But, you know, I tried to be as as much a part, having been divorced, but still as much a part of of my kids' lives as I could, and, and so I think that was important because as it turned out, all of my kids love me, talk to me, send me cards, I'm part of their lives. They, you know, obviously recognize that, that I'm, I didn't, you know, I didn't move to another state and, you know, desert them or not, you know, I was still around. And, and you know, you all have said things directly to me about that. And I think that's important. The hard side is that there's like 40 years of my life that, you, know, you you guys don't know anything about the mm -hmm. war and growing up and all of that stuff. And so it's kind of, you know, when you are an older parent, I think it's hard for you to to say, hey, look, you know, when I was your age, I was doing this. Well, come on, Dad, that was like 100 years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, right. It was a long, long time ago. And so, you know, Vietnam is something, I think, I, I mean, I told you that, that uh, Christy and Shannon, interviewed me for their you know ninth grade civics project on they had to go interview a vietnam veteran to see what was involved and uh, uh i was it so you know most people are having grandkids when they're in their early to mid 40s or you know late 40s and here i am having my own and so i'm 50 yeah. years old with with a nine-year-old a, a five-year-old and a two-year-old yeah. That's uh, that's a lot of, you know, so you have to, uh, and I had just started my own company, so, you know, there's a lot going on, a lot of stress, yeah. a lot of stress, um, but, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, getting divorced uh, at that time, too, uh, was very difficult, it was very difficult to, to leave your kids, but, you know, it just, for you know, many reasons it wasn't working out and it was just, just was not good and um you know, it just it just you know, it's just what I'll say, it just wasn't wasn't going the way it way it was supposed to. So, you know, I went out on my own and, you know, did the best I could but stayed uh, as close as I could to your kids. But you're right, your mom went on and, and, and remarried and remarried and you know, we won't go into that, but it was very difficult for me because all of a sudden here's a new stepdad and mm -hmm. somebody who I didn't know 
involved in your lives and you know that was difficult but I just had to to stay calm and stay steady and be who I was and stick around yeah you know and and not give excuses to say oh I'm, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to be in this situation or this is uncomfortable or whatever or you know get in get in the middle of something so you know I just had to to, it, it was hard, but I had to do the best I could. And, I, you know, as you know, I've been on my own ever since then. I haven't remarried and, you know, have have done the best I could. But I have, have been faithful and con constantly around your kids, and it's worked out great. I'm glad I did that. And um, I, it was the responsible thing to do. But I I think that when when parents divorce... It's horrible for everybody. There, yeah. You can't spin that as being anything good other than the fact that, you know, maybe there would be domestic violence or something if they if the parents stayed together. But, you know, divorce is so common. You yeah. know, it's like 50% or more of, of, of marriages result in that. But it's what you do after. And you have to, parents need to make a choice that and say, look, I'm not divorcing my kids. I'm divorcing my wife. But... I'm going to stay as a as a leader or, or role model or a dad, man, whatever mm -hmm. uh, for my kids, and that's my job. That that hasn't changed. Yeah. Uh, my zip code might have, but um, you know that hasn't. So that that's that's just a commitment that you make as a parent, and that as you know now, that commitment never ends. It's a lifelong commitment. It's a lifelong commitment. And I, I will say as someone who, you know, benefited from that commitment that you did, there was a lot of sacrifice. You know, there were a lot of, you know, not only financially, but I right. think career-wise, um, you could have moved to places that would have accelerated your career Absolutely. and it would have made you not have to sacrifice as much. So, you know, I think I think that's is that's always something that I will will give you tons of credit for and will always admire um, about about your you is the unbelievable amount of sacrifice you made after the decision to not continually continue to be married to my mom but while you made that decision that was very difficult you you made the conscious decision to stay involved in our lives which which may not you may not have realized that the time was going to be so difficult, but and maybe, maybe you did. But I think, I think, maybe looking back, the the decision I would argue from my perspective, the decision to stay involved in our lives was probably and to consistently do that was probably just as difficult as that one decision to say I, I'm not able to do this because you kind of had to continually make that decision. Over, over the things that happen throughout our lives because the things that just kept happening that just kind of just kind of naturally kept up kept happening in our lives that you didn't really have any control over you had to decide again like okay I'm going to continue to participate in this you know um, mom decides to get married again you then have to in my from where I'm sitting you kind of have to decide again okay I'm still going to participate okay, well, that, that didn't work out, this last thing, or this works out, okay, I'm still willing to participate, or, you know, you know Ryan, I'm, I was growing up, and I was going through, you know, my teenage years were 
very confusing <laughs> for me and okay. you know I was sure. going I was going through my own stuff and you had to decide no I'm going to continue I'm going to continue to come this weekend and pick up my daughters even though Ryan might not come with me this weekend you know we saw each other every other weekend right you had to kind of continue to make that decision like I'm going to keep showing up even if even if I'm even if the kids not going to keep showing up and and, and that's that's probably specific just to our our situation because um, one of the the bad habits that I was uh, that I acquired was when things are not going well or when my feelings are hurt I withdraw my love mm-hmm. and I withdraw my affection and I did that to you a number of times throughout um, throughout our, our our growing up and and you never let that affect our relationship long term and I think that's that's huge because, you know, how many times do your kids do stuff that you know that they're doing? You know why they're doing it. You know that motivation. You know where that's coming from. But they don't. And all they know is the emotion and the hurt and the, the kind of the whatever. But you have to you have to kind of see above all of that. And, 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 and while it sounds like that should be just something that parents do and kind of it is what it is, I still want to take a look. I still want to acknowledge the context of, of, of everything that's happening around that, and still being able to say, "No, I'm going to show up." Um, I think that's really, imp- I think that's really important, and I think that's a really important aspect to um, being a man today. If you find yourself in a situation where you're not living with your mother's, or with the mother of your children, or whatever that looks like, you still can make that decision. You might have to make it continually to show up and to be active and to participate in their lives. And you may have to make a tough decision, like taking a job out of state, which that's a decision that you didn't make. You decided, I'm not going to take a job out yeah. of state. You know, you didn't go to Texas or California right. or Wisconsin or New York or Philadelphia or any of these, Chicago even, any of these cities that you had multiple contacts in and, and probably could have gone anywhere. Well, I did. I had offered, I had a huge offer to go to Texas yeah. Um, that uh, that was a you know kind of a dream job, and I turned it down um, because I just it, it would have been the end of my relationship with you guys. I'd have been you know when I it was in Houston, and as you know, I lived in Houston, and yeah, and and actually my oldest my older son lived in Houston at the time, so it would have been really easy mm-hmm. to leave three and go to one, but I. I chose not to do that, but I, you know, I think that I got a lot out of being around you kids. Even though, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, as, as time went by, were in their fifties, mid fifties, mm. and stuff, and they had grandchildren that were five, six, seven years old. Well, I had my kids that I'm yeah. showing up with, who are five, not grandkids, but my kids, and so that was that was tough, and I had to, you know, suck it up. But um, I don't know. I think. You know, we're always looking for uh, sort of uh, throwaway lines, like you know, it's very avant to in in corporate um, words and the, the leadership things in corporate is mission, vision, values, and you have to have a mission statement and you have to state your corporate values and um, you have to have all of these things. But I think those do translate into personal. If you think about it, they can. 
what are your values? Mm -hmm. What do you value? And if you have to show it, if you value your children and yourself and your parenthood, you have to show it. You have to stick with it. And, you know, let's face it, you had them. They're your kids. So I never thought there was a real choice. And I never thought about bailing out because I just, I thought it was wrong. I thought it was the wrong thing to do. Uh, and it was my responsibility to be there. And I got a lot out of it. It was fun for me, despite to to watch you go play in a band and to go to Christie's hmm. volleyball games and to see Shannon do her gymnastics and dancing and stuff. I, you know, uh, when you when you love your kids and want to be part of their lives, it's not that hard a thing to do. Yeah, that's really uh, that's really beautiful. And uh, yeah, I just I I appreciate I appreciate that and. Uh, and I benefited, we all benefited from that greatly. But I think, again, I think that decision uh, may have been easier for you to to make because you had been through so much in your life already. You know, no question you, about you it. You had been through Vietnam, you had started a family already, you had gone through, you know, that 20 years be mm -hmm. before that. I think that may have empowered you. You know. Oh, yeah, maturity, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, absolutely. Um, but you just step it up. Mm -hmm. You, as Christy says, you power through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, me, I've really, I've really enjoyed how our relationship has been able to change and, and grow uh, now with me being a father and us being able to relate to things now in a, in a much more... Uh, I think it's on a much deeper level, you know, because I now know what it means to have someone else out there who's half a, half mine, you know, who uh, wouldn't be here if it weren't for me and my decision to, to, to join with my wife and make that happen. So I really appreciate how we've been able to talk more about things. And, and I think that's, that's a unique aspect of uh, of any father-son relationship when when a man does decide to even when he just decides to become a father not before he even has a kid in that preparation you know in the nine months that you know when you find out your partner's pregnant and then you go through all of those things and we've been able to talk about stuff at different at various points throughout this process and sort of unlocking new levels of things for us to talk about and you know whether it's sleep training or you know potty training or even sharing stories i mean um i had a laugh to myself um, when we were uh taking uh we made the decision to have recircumcised at a month at a month old and you know we're in the uh we're in the waiting room and he's you know just kind of waiting there and he's diaper off you know just kind of waiting <laughs> and he uh he lets out a big toot and it was a wet toot, you know, and he, he took a shit all over me, man. And he, I just looked down, I just, just covered yeah. in poop. And I just, I was laughing because I remember you saying I did the same, did the same I did the exact you. same thing to yeah. you, yeah. you know, when I was, uh, when I was yeah. a baby. So, you know, that moment, uh, was go. really special to me because, <laughs> you know, no, you would never think in your life that you'd be covered in another right. person's fecal matter. And you're like, 
and it laughing, wasn't that a big deal. And it wasn't that big a deal, yeah. <laughs> until you have you let it go. Yeah, until you have one of your own and then and then everything right. changes. But I think even for people who don't who decide not to have kids, I think even if you're someone who's not gonna even ever get married and you're just gonna just live as a single uh, a single man for throughout your whole life, um, I I still think that that there are there are moments that you will encounter uh, that you'll be able to share with other men, and I think that's that's a really uh, important part of of what uh, masculinity today is moving into, and that's in creating more community for men and, and the ability to talk about things. And, and I think even you've benefited from being able to talk. You, you talk with other veterans a lot. Of, and you've got a right. you've got a support group of veterans that you meet. And you guys talk about you talk about going to war, and you talk about coming really more coming home from war. You know because you talk about why did you come home? You know, and I think if you, if you, you know, I watch a lot of war documentaries and things like that. And, and that's that question, the, why did I come back is a universal question that I think if you talk with someone from Korea war, Vietnam, either of the operation, you know, desert storm operation, Iraqi freedom. If you talk to any of those, especially someone who saw combat and you, you know, talk to them about, what they're kind of working through. I think that main question is, why did I come back? You know, why did I come back and not someone else? Because you, you probably saw so many people not come back. Right. There's a lot of guilt, too, because it, you, you are very close. And when you have a friend who is killed, um, the you, first question is, why, why did that happen to them? How did that? They were at the wrong place at the wrong time. But why wasn't I killed? Why were they killed and I wasn't? And then it just starts a whole bunch of things, and then, you know, you just get all screwed up, and, you, you know, you just think that way because war is such an awful thing, and it's such a haphazard thing, and there's never, a, um, you know, I've told you stories about things where guys were killed in such weird ways, and then mm -hmm. other guys were hit with with big chunks of shrapnel and lived through it and there was almost a superficial win. I mean it just it made no sense at all but a lot of vets that I've talked to uh, have a, why did I come home and you know my friend didn't and I mm -hmm. feel bad about that 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 I got to come home and it sounds crazy but you know unless you spent time with it but you have to understand that <clears throat> when you're in a situation and somebody's trying to kill you every day every day you just imagine you know, you just somebody's trying to kill you every day they're bombing you every night they're shooting at you every chance they get they are trying to kill you every single day and how do you get used to that and how does that affect you mm -hmm. and the, you look around and the people that you're with they're trying to kill them too and these are your friends and by the way they're your family and that to me you know is just a and in your job, you know, as a medic, I was there to try to save them, bring them back, heal them, inoculate them, you know, just yeah. all kinds of things. And, you know, so they all knew you. They all protected you, especially because medics were were kind of special people and got a special treatment from from the troops because they knew you would never leave them behind and that if something happened, you were coming for him. Um, so, you know, it was kind of a special thing. But, you know, you just, it's, it's, it's something that, that you just can't explain. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and but I do feel sorry for guys and I've talked to other Iraq war veterans Afghanistan guy I, I this is a guy that was a medic in uh, with the he was with the fourth um, infantry division same thing and he he he's depressed and he had all kinds of really mental issues when he came back just because of that and you know how do you explain that to someone who's never been through that right you can't yeah you, you just can't and and it's not fair to him and it's not fair to the other people to try to say okay well let me try to explain this but i i don't know i i think that um we can make things way more complicated than they are or some things we just have to to throw up our hands and say you know what i don't i there's no i just can't i can't yeah i can't tell you you know i it needs more study or i just don't know but you just have to move on at some point and uh, you know like i said earlier you have to be able to respond you have, you just you, you just can't uh you know say my life is over this is horrible you just have to move on and find some way to to deal with it or get some help yeah you know uh, talk to other people or take action i think the i think the hardest one of the hardest things for me to let go of and to to sort of begin to work on with my shadow work has been letting go of guilt you know and um, I think as men, that ideal, that ideal man um, that has been given to us by culture, that's been part of what's made me feel guilty. But then also really questioning my actions as a man and questioning my decisions, you know. Um, so one of the things that I admire and that I've always admired about you is you you make decisions that are thought out that are um they're they're not all, they're not usually emotion i usually make decisions based on emotion to whereas you make decisions that are based a little bit more on rationale um you know pros and cons um and i think that's something i really really would have benefited from in those formative years in my life um so I don't know if you if you learned how to do that in a certain way, if that just came from, you know, overcoming certain things. But um, I've always admired how you've been able to not to not let the things of your past break you completely. You know, I think that you've you've had a few things that you're uncovering now that you've you know are, are helping you become a, a version of yourself right now that you really like. But throughout life, you've been able to um, overcome disappointment. You've been able to overcome um, rejection. You've been able to overcome a lot of negativity. Um, so if you could share anything about that, you know, um, I would... I, I've always admired that about your personality. Yeah. So um, Well, a couple of things. I think that, you know, certainly... Um, <clears throat> that's kind of a learned behavior, and I think it's a hard lesson to learn. But you know, in the military, nobody just inserts troops in a um, in an area without doing military intelligence, even though that is an oxymoron. But they, there's a whole bunch of people who are supposed to 
uh, know um, where the enemy is, what, you know, what, when you're going in, what kind of assets are there, what kind of assets you need, how you, when you're going to extract, what your plan B is. I mean, there's a whole, you know, people that even look back on um, the um, uh, war in Iraq, they planned for months on how they were going to do things, or D-Day, or famous battles. I mean, there's a great deal of planning and strategizing. So, you know, got to have a plan. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that was something I learned. But then I, I'm smiling because this goes back to sort of a, and this is kind of an inside joke, because I, I always... You're going to say Stephen Covey, are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, uh, uh, one, of my, one of my great books, and I gave it to Ryan, and we always joke about it, is Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. And... <laughs> And I just love that book, and I, I met Dr. Covey once, and I'm just a big big fan of his, but the first chapter is begin with the end in mind. And so you have to kind of lay things out. Well, you know, people should ask them, well, what do I want to do? Yeah. You know, that's kind of a basic question, you know, and and we, we fool around and we shoot guns and stuff. Well, if there's no target, how, how what do you shoot at, and how do you know whether you hit it or not? Yeah. You know, I mean, you've got to have, you've got to have something in mind that you want to do, and I think... That's where uh, uh, you need to understand that, that if you're going to be successful, you have to have a plan, some yeah. kind of plan. How am I going to, you know, if you're in debt, you've got to figure out, well, what's my plan to get out of debt? What am I going to do? What would be a good thing? Or, or, and people don't want to do that because they feel that it's, it's, uh, it's sort of restrictive. You yes. know, or that I'll have to do it over, that it's going to be wrong. Or, or even that you just have to do it. Well, yeah. You know I, mean? I mean, it's a hassle. Right. And so I, I should be able to just wing it. Well, that's, I'm telling you, that's <laughs> that's a bad way to think because, you know, it's like you say, well, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to go to Ralph's, you know. You know, what, what are you going to get? I don't know. I don't have a list. I'm going to show up and get whatever I want. Well, where's Ralph's? Well, how are you going to get there? Mm -hmm. well, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm going to go in my car and I'm going to go this way and that. It, you, you, whether you know it or not, there is some plan there, but isn't it way better if you say, well, it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon and I'm going to take this route because there's less traffic and here's my list and I'm just going to spend, you know, $50 or... You know, you have all these things, you go, you execute it, you do it, and you get the hell out of there. You know, you don't waste time, you know what you're doing. Life's a lot more, com I think, comfortable yeah. if you're like, hey, man, I knew I was going to do this in the first place. This is what, this is what I'm going to do, and, and you execute the plan. If the plan doesn't work, well, you make another one, or you learn from it or something. But you just can't go through life aimlessly saying, well, I'm going to just try this and see how this works. Oh, that didn't work. So the question comes up, why didn't it work? I don't know, it didn't work. Well, if you had had a plan, you would have said, here's why it didn't work, because mm -hmm. this didn't happen, that didn't happen, This I didn't do this, I should have done this, I forgot to do this. I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just a habit. And I think it's a hard habit to learn, but you can accomplish a lot more if you sit and think about, you know, kids now have horrendous college debt. I realize that. It was, it's horrendous. You know, I think the most I ever had, a, I have six years of college. I had to borrow $2,000 in six years, and I paid it all back, and it wasn't that big a deal. No, I, I got money from the VA to, you know, go to school, but still, that's nothing. That's probably you know, a month's worth for some of these. So, you know, if I had to come out with 
twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in debt. Man, that's that's horrendous. Well, to get out of that, you gotta kind of. What's my plan? What's your plan? Great. And, and, and you know, it's it's. Defer my. So where do I learn that, or who do I talk to to help me out with that, or, or whatever? But you, you just can't hope. It's not good enough. I hope I get out of this. Mm -hmm. You know, you can. <laughs> You hope in one hand and spit in the other and see which one gets full first. It's just, <laughs> That's a good analogy. It's just, uh, you know, you got to be a realist. Yeah. I, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, pay enough attention to those lessons growing up. And, uh, yeah. But, you know, most, you, people you, don't. most people don't. You live, you live and you learn. Uh, but I, uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I really enjoy how uh, at this point in our relationship we have more things that we can talk about because, you know, we have, uh, one, the ability and the foundation to now talk about things that are, you know, more uh, a little bit more personal. I mean, like I said, the last, last time I was home over Christmas, over the holiday, um, we kind of had a couple of introductory conversations to kind of prime the pump for this conversation and you know I learned things about you that I that I never learned and that you know it all kind of helped round out you know who you are as as a man and as my dad and that's been that's been really great and you know as I think about my relationship with Reese and what what we're going to go through and what that's going to look like um I'm excited for the foundation that we've laid uh, that has allowed me to be able to feel comfortable to have these types of conversations with him and to really help him kind of uh, figure out and, and decide the type of man that he wants to be. And you made a comment that, um, you know, you do that a lot when you're younger and you try different things and part-time jobs and, you know, you kind of have that space and you know, I again want to go back to this idea uh, that kind of the theme for this episode is kind of that rite of passage, you know, how I really think that in my life, um, I can't think of one, I can't really, you know, it's been really, for me, I, I've, I've not had a rite of passage. So what I've done is I've become obsessed with starting things and never finishing them. So I... I, I start a project and then I, you know, I abandon it halfway through for something else that I'm more excited about. Or I, I moved to New York and I moved back to New York to then move to Texas because Texas seems more exciting. And then I ended up not even moving to Texas, I moved to California, you know. And so then I moved to California and I start a band and I'm in a, I'm, or I'm in this band and then that that ends and so I can't, I, you know, I lose my identity. So from the band, then I then move, go into seminary and I immediately start doing seminary and then when seminary ends or is about to end I don't know what I'm going to do so I get married and I have a wife now you know uh and <laughs> she's then a good one. oh man she's she's the best and and um but then even then it's like oh our our lives are going we're coming so let's have a baby you know and now we have a baby and so I'm I'm obsessed with starting things and I'm never finishing them and I'm at the point in my life where I'm ready to start something and see it all the way through. I'm ready to commit to it fully. And um, the things that I'm committing to and I'm deciding to see through are the things that I've already started, like my marriage, like raising Reese. Um, those are the things that I'm now kind of recommitting myself into to now see them fully. And 
now it's kind of adding on new things like my job, you know, what is that going to look like? And, and even this podcast, starting this podcast and seeing it out, um, even just recording a few episodes, there are differences and there are things coming up that I didn't expect. And so what am I going to do in those times? These are all things that um, I've learned from you and I've learned from our relationship. And so um, I'm, I'm very thankful that you uh, agreed to sit down and, and have this be one of the first episodes for this podcast because uh, really I, I think a lot of the things that I'm encountering, a lot of the things that I'm going through right now are, are, are lessons that um, we may have encountered when I was younger, but we didn't have the foundation or we didn't have the I don't know, the communication to, to, to help me get through them, but as we're kind of going through them again and going through them now, they're really starting to take root in my life in a way that I don't know if they would have had I not gone through my roundabout, you know, long sure. journey to Absolutely. where we are right now. So, so I think all of that to say, the more complicated my life gets and the more... I encounter certain things and the more conversations you and I have, the more uh, parallels I see in our own life. And I see how you have done a lot of the same things with your life mm -hmm. that I have um, just in your own way. Your bands, graduate bands, school, graduation. I lived in California. Yeah, California, around. moving around, experiencing things, having different jobs, having multiple groups of friends. Um, live living in multiple states we've really had we've had very similar lives for as different as they've been you're right yeah i i i think you know a couple of things um i think some people try and change a lot because they're afraid of success but you know as hard as that is yeah. they're it scares them like maybe they're going to be successful they're actually afraid of that and i think that's a it's, I'm sure that there's a lot of books written about that where people keep failing because they're terrified of being successful. They don't know how they're going to handle it. Mm -hmm. So they try this and they kind of kind of get this way and they're like, oh, i got to try something else. And if they would have just kept on going. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, you got to have faith. You have to have faith in God. You have to admit your values or whatever you have, have faith in a higher being. Mm -hmm. Uh, whatever that is. I'm Even faith saying, in yourself. Yeah, but that was that's my next thing. Mm -hmm. You have to have faith in your... Failure is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. You have to tell yourself that... You, you have to know what failure is going to be, but you have to give yourself a chance. I started my own... I went out, quit a job, started my own company when I was 40 years old. And... Uh, uh, and 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 and, ha and when you were just yeah, a baby, yeah, I was born. Man, yeah. let's talk about it. I was licking the stamps and you know doing the taxes and selling the the doing the consulting and selling that and you know just it was crazy. A lot of people helped me, but it was a little bit of a higher wire act at mm -hmm. that time. It was it was a lot of it, but you know you have the confidence. You you. You know, luck, faith in yourself. So that's what I, I encourage, you know, the people who are listening to this. Get, find a way to have faith in yourself and believe in yourself and say, I can do it. And, and that failure, it's just not acceptable. It, and, and there, you know, it may, 
something might happen. Some tragic thing could happen in your life. But as you move through this, you just have to say, I can do this and I will do this. And yeah. you have to be resolute and don't quit and just stay with it. And, you know, you get to a certain point where you realize, you know, there's a time to hold them and a time to fold them. But you don't get there real early. You give yourself a chance and you have a plan. Mm -hmm. And if the plan's not working, you have to kind of figure it out. But it's hard. The world now is really, really hard with the, the uh, you know, the, the culture and the politics and the, the, the different things. Uh, it's, it's, it's way different than when I was growing up. It's, it's, I think it's really difficult to uh, uh, find your way through. But the, you have to find people who are successful and talk to them. Mm -hmm. uh, get with them. Um, be willing to change. You know, we always joke about uh, when we go fishing, you know, sometimes you have to change your bait. To, or, you, know, mm. you have to have a lot of... Be willing to change what you're doing. Look at things a different way. Or or part of your plan is, well, I'm temporarily, I'm going to do this to advance, you know, to make more money or advance my career or something. Um, but... Uh, uh, so you have to be open to change. You have to see things, and you have to do a lot of research. You have to pay attention to what's happening around you, and you know what do, what do other people want? What's hot? What's what's going on? And and do some research. And really, you know, that's the great thing about the internet. Um, but you know, sometimes people need to re-engineer themselves to become successful. Mm -hmm. But I think. Everybody has the ability to do that. It all comes down to motivation mm -hmm. and how much you want it and what you're willing to do to get it. And that's what separates successful people from other people who just can't get it done. You know, yeah. practice, yeah, um, planning, research. All those are all smart things to do. Yeah, and and I think we as men get to a point there's some there's some sort of catalyst that will make us decide i'm i'm gonna start doing these things because a lot of the stuff that you're saying anybody can do them but you have to decide for yourself this is the time this is when i'm gonna stick to it this is this is how i'm gonna get that plan and i think for me it was for me it was having a son it took it honestly took bringing another life into this world for me to figure out how to get mine together, you know, and, and truthfully, if it weren't for him, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say he saved my life or saved my relationship, but he definitely was the, the catalyst to make me say, no, I'm going to do things differently. I'm, yeah. I'm going to oh, be sure. a different, I'm going to be a different person. But that, that you're not unique there. That's every yeah. parent can no, say yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I used to interview, you know, in my work, I used to interview a lot of people for jobs and stuff. And um, and then also, you know, in selling, when you talk to people, it's interesting, you know, you can, you can say to people, well, what is it that you want to do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, people come in, they'll tell you this and this and this, but they have no idea. Yeah, They're no. like, oh, yeah, I used to do this, or yeah, I want to buy mm -hmm. some insurance, or... You know, and I talked to a lot of people, and it's like, well, what do you want the insurance to do? I want it to do this and this. Oh, okay, this is a place. 
And so all of a sudden you start walking them through, mm -hmm. but you have to start with that. And, and I'll tell you, a lot of people, it's been amazing to me when it's the first thing you said, what is it that you're trying to do? Or what is it that you'd like to do? And they're like, I want a job. Well, yeah, we all want a job, but what mm -hmm. kind of job do you want? What kind of mm -hmm. job is going to make you happy? What would you love to do? What would you do for free and nobody paid, mm -hmm. but you'd do it anyway because you love mm -hmm. it so much. What is it? I mean, just basic stuff. And a lot of people do not give that any thought. And I think you need to, what is it that you want to do? Do you want to be a great dad? Do you want to make a lot of money so your kid can go to a great school? Do you want to buy a house so you're, do you want to, you know, have a, you know, make more money so you can have a better car, whatever. What is it that you want to do? And, you know, you have to figure that out. Um, you can't have too many of those, but you might say, well, I want to be the greatest dad, Therese, that I could ever be. All right, there's where we start. Now, mm -hmm. what would it take to do that? And what do I need to do to become that? Mm -hmm. Is it is it spend time with him, make a lot of money, have brothers and sisters for him, move to Encino, whatever, right. you know? And then the pieces start falling into place. But until you kind of, what does it mean to say that mm -hmm. but you know that reese will help you do that yes he will help you do that mm -hmm. you'll look at him and he'll give you a little mm -hmm. little tweaks yeah you will <laughs> yeah yeah and you'll say oh man i'd love to i'd love to get that bike for him and mm -hmm. you know or, or whatever but it's already started and and you know your wife jen will do that too yep. um but you know it's different for everybody but i'll tell you it's just amazing to me how many people cannot cannot articulate what what's the baseline? Where are we headed here? What is it yeah. that and they're just like, Man, I'm just trying to survive like or yeah. I have no mm -hmm. idea. I just mm -hmm. I just wanna get from here to there. Yep. You know, and and uh, that's 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 kind of a temporary way of living. I think that's how you sort of get stuck in a rut. Yeah. And, and you just feel like big rut. This is this is how it's gonna just be. And it doesn't it doesn't have to end habit. like that. Yeah, it's a bad habit. It's not it's not one of the seven from Stephen Covey. He doesn't No, it isn't. And ruts. you know, when you're in a rut, you can't see what's around you. All you see is dirt on both sides. Right. You can't look right. over the top. Right. right. You know, if it's a deep enough rut, so so how do you, you can't find your way out. You just keep walking in the same darkness, you know, forever. And it, it's it's too bad. But again, you know, it, it's it's just a choice that, that that people make, and it's sad. Well, you got to switch it up. I mean, the, you, you if, if you are doing the same thing over and over, and this that was me. I was doing the same thing over and over and over again. All these relationships in my life were ending the same way. So I had to take a look at myself and say, I must be the common denominator here. So I needed to switch up my approach to a few different things. And once I did that, uh, I was able to be a much happier uh, individual. I was able to... Uh, establish more uh, well-rounded and long-lasting friendships in my life and shortly after that I was able to meet an incredible woman who I now call my wife and uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for that but had I not done that work on myself personally I don't think I would have done that and like I said I uh, so part of my motivation for the work that I'm doing now is my son but before then it was my wife and 
before then it was me, you know? And so I think you made a comment that, you know, when you have a kid, they will, they will change your perspective. And I absolutely agree with that. But I think even if you're not going to have a kid, and even if you are going to be a single person, you're not interested in marriage, even just doing some of this shadow work and understanding these things that are important to you and understanding what, what is important to you, the life that you want to have and why that's important to you, and then figuring out how to then put a plan together and make that life happen will benefit you as an individual and will benefit the people around you, whether that's your close-knit group of friends, whether that's your family, whether it's your coworkers or whoever. And that's really the whole point. Like I said, the, 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 the hypothesis of this podcast is what would our world look like if uh, we were exhibiting a healthier form of masculinity as opposed to a toxic version of masculinity. And I think that um, making that decision with whatever it is that motivates you to uh, continually uh, come back to the, the table to do that shadow work and to can you continue to look at the areas of your life where you can improve, um, whatever motivates you, um, that motivation needs to be uh, continual and you need to be open to, to understanding that, that motivation will change and be receptive to it. And you, you may have touched on it a little bit um, uh, in what you were saying of, uh, about some of the things, some of the encouragement you were just offering, but um, I always ask, I always close off my show kind of asking uh, my guests um, for some, some practical tips or a practical tip uh, that they would like to share with a community of, of men. Um, and since we've talked a lot about fathers and sons and dads and, um, and things like that, I, I would love to know if there was one, if there's one piece of, uh, advice that you would give, um, someone who either is a dad or is about to be a dad, uh, who's gonna, gonna have a new son or daughter. Um, what, as someone who's raised four kids, what would be one piece of advice you would give to, to a new, a new parent? Wow, <laughs> that's pretty heavy. Um, just right off the top of my head, I think, uh, and I notice this being around my grandchildren now, um, I think as a parent, um, mom or dad, I would remind you that no matter what you're doing or where you are, your children are watching you. And whether you think they are or are not, they are watching you. Yeah. They are watching what you're saying. They are watching what you're doing. And just be aware of that. Even though you think they're not, you, you know, my granddaughter, I, she scans the room. She's watching everything. She know, you, you can say, well, where did that ball go that somebody threw? And she says, yeah, it went in that room. And she, she's got a, a scanner that's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But I would say that, that you need to pay attention to the fact that you know, bad habits or language or whatever, uh, anything that you think you're getting away with that your kids are not seeing or not picking up on, you are wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. They are they are little <laughs> little FBI agents <laughs> and they're watching mom and dad. So so I would just remind you, uh, and and the the way that comes up is when you're when you're out someplace with a with a three or four or five year old, and they blurt out something about they saw at home or <laughs> what mommy did or what daddy does in the bathroom or whatever, 
it's embarrassing as can be. But so I, I would just remind, you know, just as a something that you need to be pay attention to, I would say that. To, that also goes for the good stuff too, because um, right, exactly. You know, I for for the same thing that we've seen with that, I've also seen friends uh, post things where you know their kids are having a moment, or there's something in the store, and their you know child went over and, and consoled a stranger, or, right? You know, waved at a person, or you know, said hi yeah, to someone, terrific. or did something that so so it there's that good there's that good piece too, but. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a phrase in our house that we use, and that's uh, always be parenting, and uh, it's one of those things you're you're always you're always parenting, always on duty. You're always on duty, and that's something no that uh, that they told me when I was having a kid, but now I really am starting to understand that. And uh, and I think one of the joys of parenthood is that it's always changing, it's always evolving, and uh, I can imagine that when I was young, you probably didn't think that one day we'd be sitting at your kitchen table in uh, your own house drinking whiskey and recording a podcast nope. uh, that, uh, that I have uh, decided to start out of my own passion. So um, I think that's, uh, that's a fun way to uh, encourage you uh, and, and anybody out there that um, life is unexpected and full of joys and no matter what your relationship with your parent uh has looked like in the past or what it might look like right now uh, there's hope for change and uh i again just want to um say thanks dad for for doing this and for really um being open to who i am because i you know uh am different uh, and am special in my own unique ways. And I always, um, used to think that maybe that was not what you were hoping for, but I now growing older and having encouraged, having encouraging conversations with you, I now realize that I'm exactly who uh, I'm supposed to be and that you didn't expect me to be any different. And, um, I'm really appreciative of that. Well, thanks. This, yeah, this is, yeah, who who would imagine, you know, your son interviewing you for an internet <laughs> blog. Um, but yeah, it's nice, and, and I think people should know that you came back here not just to do this. You came back for two weeks. I'm, I'm undergoing some medical treatment that requires me to, you know, need some extra care and attention, and um, that that was also part of this too. So, it, it you know, it, it was very nice of you to take two weeks away from your family to come do this. And I appreciate that. But um, a lot of surprises and, you know, life's full of them and it never, never stops. But this was fun. I mean, it was, uh, um, I had no idea what to expect, but um, you did a good job. And I'll, I just can't wait to hear if there were any <laughs> positive reactions to this so we'll see well that's to be determined but um i'm i'm very encouraged by our conversation and uh i always enjoy when you and i can talk about this stuff and i believe that our relationship is uh very special and really unique and so uh i'm looking forward to uh, others benefiting from this as well so uh let's uh let's go drink some more whiskey huh? all right let's do it 
So I won't disclose how much whiskey my dad and I had after this episode, but uh, let's just say it was a fair amount. So uh, I really enjoyed that episode and I hope you did as well. So thank you for tuning in to both part one and two with my dad. Next week, I have an exciting interview for you. I'm going to be sitting down with Steve Balton, who is a senior contributor to Forbes magazine. He has also written for Billboard, Rolling Stone, LA Times, Yahoo Vice, so many other uh, major publications. And uh, I am so excited to talk with him about the amazing people that he's interviewed, but also to hear his thoughts on, um, you know, masculinity as it, uh, it ties in with culture and all of the people that he interviews and interacts with. So looking forward to that. Come, uh, come back next Monday for part one of my interview with Steve Balton. Uh, in the meantime, make sure to check out the show notes. We have a few updates, but you can also uh, connect with the Deep West on Instagram. Thank you to them for the sweet tunes. And um, you can also follow along with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Whiskey and Rye Pod, and you can follow along with me as well uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Rye and Charles LA. But for now, let's let the Deep West take us out, and I raise my glass to you. Cheers. <laughs>